0: Welcome to the Oakcrest Podcast Channel. Oakcrest School in Vienna, Virginia, challenges girls in grades 6 to 12 to develop their intellect, character, faith, and leadership potential to thrive in college and throughout their lives. On today's podcast, Director of Parent Support, Terry Collins, and former Director of Mentoring, Kate Hadley are back this time with a discussion on important social skills that will serve your child well as she becomes an adult. Hello, my name is Terry Collins, I'm the Director of Parent Support at Oakcrest School.
1: And I'm Kate Hadley, the Director of Mentoring at Oakcrest.
0: I'd like to welcome you to Episode 4 of An Inconvenience Rightly Considered. The Parent Support Team at Oakcrest hopes that these talks have been helpful now and will continue to be as we progress to a new normal. Today's topic is the 10 best social skills you should teach your child before they go to college. Kate, can you lead us on this?
1: Sure. I don't know if you've heard it recently, but there's a new verb in the lexicon, adulting. I first heard it a few years ago from my college-age children and from their cousins. The conversation at family gatherings occasionally focused on how hard it was to adult. But that, after all, is exactly what we, as primary educators, have as our goal. Our children need to become adults. And that encompasses many aspects of their development, from academic, to spiritual, to emotional, to practical skills. The latter is what this talk is all about. What practical skills do young people need as they cross over to adulthood? I have a book that I frequently give to college graduates, How to Ditch Your Parents. If you know me or know Ocrest, you know that this is tongue-in-cheek. We want our children to always have a wonderful relationship with their parents and feel free to go to them for advice throughout their lives. But they also need to know how to be independent. The skills that we will talk about today are steps in that direction. So good. Thank you, Kate. We will cover what we call social
0: skills. and um, Kate and I are not Miss Manners. These are really to get the conversation going with your kids. You can modify our suggestions to fit your family culture. And just as a heads up, next week in episode five, we will discuss more practical everyday skills. So the first social skill that we're going to talk
1: about today is how to write a thank you note and address the envelope. Most of us have probably taught our children that it is important to write thank you notes when they get a gift from their grandmother or whatever. But I recently found out addressing an envelope or maybe a package that they're sending is something that often slips through the cracks. Even a trip to the post office and how to handle it uh, could be a good lesson.
0: That's neat. And I know um, some parents, have their kids write a thank you note even before they're able to use that toy or wear those earrings and so it's really a good habit to take into adulthood it gives us a deadline and it really high motivation and I'm a real procrastinator so I know that I need deadlines as well Um, and another thing is that sometimes instead of a note It's good to let our kids know if they're more comfortable with this, that it's acceptable to call the person the next day to offer a sincere thanks over the phone. And that's the purpose of the call. It's short and sweet. And it's just a thank you.
1: And it's always very appreciated.
0: Mm. So point number two is how to tip and how much to tip an Uber driver, a hairdresser, barber, valet parker, waiter and other service providers. So this is a really interesting conversation that our family has ongoing as um, we make our way through life together. And our overarching theme is to be over generous. And most of these service people are not getting an adequate tip um, by and large uh, from others. And so we try to make up for it by being over generous. And even if everybody was receiving adequate tips, these people work hard and my tip puts their wage at probably a more reasonable rate. And um, I think something that um, we've learned over the years is really to instill in um, ourselves and our children a respect really for the work of others and um, along with a tip, try to find something sincere to compliment them on the service provider so that they feel encouraged and will know to continue doing that good thing. So for example, um, you know, you're getting your haircut, and you could say at the end, I really admire that you keep your hair station so clean. Um, or to the Uber driver, your car is clean and it really smells good or to the wait staff, I appreciate that you came to tell us that the kitchen was backed up and that there might be a delay. And these are people of great dignity and we should always aspire to treat each person's noble work with great respect.
1: That's such a a wonderful addition to just giving the monetary tip. I love that. It's a a human tip also. Um, That's beautiful. Um, I think there are some nuances that, to tipping that we can discuss with our kids so that they don't feel awkward in the moment. You know how when you go to um, possibly a local fast food place and it has a jar that says tips are appreciated. You know, talk to them about whether you think they need to tip or not. Um, You know, if you walked in and said, I have 15 Girl Scouts here and they all want different donuts, then you might tip. But you know you don't need to. But it's good to to talk it through with your kids. Your philosophy on it, what they think about it. If you've ever had a child who was a waitress or a waiter, you are probably much more likely to be a generous tipper. Or if you were in college yourself, that kind of thing. Um, so it's it's wonderful to think about you know what is expected, what is necessary, and what's appreciated. Um, the the last little tip i have with this is something that the kids don't usually run into so if you're if they're going to something where there's going to be valet parking it's always good to talk to them ahead of time about this have cash on hand when do you give it to the guy who's taking your car or when they're bringing it back um how much do you give it's just something that can make them feel very awkward and therefore they won't do anything (laughs) that's usually the default um so that was just a little thing i thought of because it's i've run into it at prom time so
0: great 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 okay point number three phone manners when calling a
1: business or a stranger i think that our children have gotten used to doing everything by text or online and they don't necessarily know how to handle it when they actually have to talk to a real person on the other end of the line of a phone um i think the first thing is identify yourself first and state why you're calling and then Yeah.
0: yeah you know i
1: um
0: i think it's always important to always ask whom you're speaking with and to write down take notes of the date and the time that you're calling if it's regarding a business matter that you're trying to resolve And um, for an interview, you you know, if you're making an appointment. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, And then always assume the best of the other person at the other end of the line. So especially if you're calling even to resolve something that might be something you're upset about, to be aware of that and just to check yourself a little bit before getting on the call. And um, not to be on the attack kind of thing. So to say things like, I'm sure that you have many things on your plate. Um, Victoria told me that I would get a refund uh, back on April the 30th. And I'm just following up with that. I was wondering if you could help me because I haven't yet received the refund. So already you're putting yourself in a very respectful relationship with someone and you can go forward with business in a really kind way.
1: And I have to tell you, practice, practice, practice. The big word that the kids often use is it's awkward. And the yes. only way to overcome that is practice, practice, practice. So give them lots of opportunities to call and make appointments or deal with things on the phone. That's so good. Uh, point
0: number four what to say or do if you're served food that you don't like?
1: Um, I, you know, <laughs> this is hard as a mother with a lot of children. Uh, You know, we had to teach our children, even at dinner, that the first words out of their mouth weren't, yuck, you know, (laughs) and I mean, I'm not a good cook, but really? So, (laughs) um, if, if it is something, like, you know, this would usually happen in someone else's home. You're visiting, and you're served something that is not, you know, something you're used to, or you have tasted it, and you don't like it. I think the important thing is to help them understand that it's not about them. They don't want to draw attention to themselves. So if if it's just that you don't like it, try it. Take a little, push it around if you need to, but don't draw attention to the fact, like, you know, oh, I don't eat that, you know. So then I think it's a little bit different if it's an allergy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, for example, if you're invited for a very small intimate dinner party, and you know the host well, it might be a nice idea to give that person a call ahead of time or send a quick little email if you have a threat, a life threatening food allergy, like a seafood allergy, because they really want to have a meal that's going to be very small. and Everyone's going to notice each other. And they want you to have an enjoyable time. So they would appreciate your knowing that. But I think sometimes like if you're, at a bigger function, um, and let's say you have like a gluten intolerance, um, it might be just a good idea to pull the host aside quietly and ask the aside, you know, are there any of these sauces or something that I should avoid? I mean, you can see that there's bread on the table and maybe you have to avoid that, but um, gluten is a serious condition or gluten um, allergies are... are um, uh, it's important. So, but we just try not to draw too much attention to ourselves. That's the
1: yeah. Point I think whole thing taking ownership of your own dietary restrictions or needs or preferences, but without making it a burden for someone else, as much as you can.
0: That's great. That's great. So, number five: how to
1: write a sincere apology note. That is hard. We have the example of many politicians. I'm sorry you were offended. It doesn't count, okay? You have to apologize for what you did, okay? And in most apologies and apology letters, you want to think remorse. You want to show remorse. You want to show regret that you did it. And you want to figure out how to repair it. What can I do to help make this better or next time? That kind of thing. So if you include those three um, aspects, that's a more sincere apology note.
0: <laughs> yeah. And sometimes there, there isn't going to be that note opportunity. I mean, you can apologize in the moment in a spoken apology. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Or even not necessarily in the moment, but you've thought about something you did and you go back and you say, I really need to talk to you and apologize. And I think the best thing there is to do it when you're alone with the person. So there is an, an audience and that's important for the girls because they often, you know, seventh graders will go up to a group of um, other seventh graders, you know, and say, um, you know, I'm sorry I was mean to you at lunch. You know, eh, it's not so great. Um, so it's better to do it alone, give them a way, like you're going to do it short and quick. You're not going to get into a huge long discussion about this. You're going to say, you know, I'm really sorry, admit what you did and that you're willing to talk later if they would like. And you might find that, you know, although it is kind of counter cultural to write a note nowadays it actually gives the person you're sending it to a little bit of time to reflect and to figure out how they're going to react. So sometimes it's a good way to do it, but you know, definitely in the person can be very sincere also, but again, you want to keep it remorse, regret, repair.
0: I love those. Uh, Point number six, to find and greet the host when you arrive and when you leave a party.
1: You know, I did not, I was not taught that. And um, I didn't learn it till much later. And it's it's so ridiculous because even if you're there as the guest of someone else or maybe a plus one at a wedding, it's imperative that you find the host. And sometimes the host is going to be the parents of your friend, like, you know, for a teenager, that party is at the parent's house. And if you find the parents, and introduce yourself and you know, be, say how happy you are to be there, you are gonna get big points. I'm telling you, if a kid came to me at one of my children's parties, and you know, even if it was a huge party, 40, 50 kids, and they came up and they said, Sadly, my name is so-and-so, and I go to school with your son, I was like, This kid is, is on the road to adulthood. <laughs> it's really good.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And I think also going along the lines of respecting other people's work. It's a lot of work to put on a party. So it could be something you say to the host when you arrive, you know, your house looks amazing, or this must have really taken a lot of planning. So for, for kids to know that they can offer those kinds of remarks is, is a good practice for them to do. Um okay you're, so point number you're seven. just so
1: good at that with the extra thing with the tipping. This is just like that, just a oh. little bit extra that takes it to the next level. <laughs> so for number seven, how to behave and what to say at a wake or a funeral. I have run into this um at Oakcrest, you know, taking kids to funerals sometimes or wakes and or seeing them there, you know, if, if it's somebody in our community. And it is a very, um, boy, talk about awkward. It's, it's very hard, but it's a very important custom that we have in our culture to learn how to behave at a wake or a funeral, the things to say. And, um, you know, maybe if you were like me, you were sheltered from funerals as a child. My parents didn't think weddings and funerals were places for children. And that has changed. So many of our kids probably have been to wakes. But I think um, talking to them ahead of time about the why and, and giving them, you know, scripts, if you will, you know, you're doing it for the person, the people who are still alive. You're doing it for your friend whose maybe grandmother died. Um, but you should also still go and say a prayer in front of the deceased. If they have the um, body there, the coffin there, it's, you know, it can be unnerving for some children, but again, practice, practice, practice. Um, sounds terrible, but go to a few funerals for people who you're not particularly close to before you have to go to one that is for someone you love. I think that's a, a, a good practice. Yeah,
0: just following up with that, you know, how can you make that a better experience you know for yourself and for your children um, is that if a lot of times people have memory boards out you know with photos of their loved ones and if you don't know them that well um, you can look at those boards before talking to the grieving family and um, you can point out to them what you appreciate Um, I love looking at the photos of your family at the beach you must have great memories with your grandmother those types of things just to keep it very natural and to offer them some comfort there. And um, really, if you did know the person who passed away, I would really think and pray about it, uh, what you want to share with the family before you go. Um, if you give some time to this, you're going to be much better prepared. And um, so, for example, if you w- were a coworker for someone, many families have no idea. they're life in the office, you know, of their loved ones. So that can be a beautiful insight. So you could say, you know, I worked with your husband and he was always so gracious and would offer to get coffee for people in meetings. And he always asked for input from the others, especially the quiet ones. And I can see that he really cared about the small details and people will feel so enriched by that. I know that um, when my mom died of cancer, one of her caregivers told me at the funeral, that my mom would ask her follow-up questions from their previous conversations when the last time she was there to help my mom. And she said that my mom always made her feel like her life mattered because she took a personal interest in her and she looked to my mom for advice on how to live her life. So she wasn't just a worker in the house. People love to hear these reminiscence about their loved ones and um, it can be a real comfort. So for point number eight, how to be a gracious host both when your friend is over just for the day and when you host a party what are your responsibilities and um i have to say that um this has happened a lot when my kids just have individual friends over i always ask them make sure when they come in you offer them something to eat or to drink and um i mean it has happened i'm not going to say you're not
1: italian (laughs)
0: <laughs> but like I've, I've had kids um, I'm not going to mention any names that their friend has come over and my own child has gone over and opened the refrigerator and poured themselves a glass of milk and stood there and talked to them while drinking. And, um, and I'm, I'm just, you know, just, just saying to them, you know, you really need to offer Susie a drink before you have anything yourself. And so the kids will say, "Oh, mom, that's just so formal." Well, not like you. We're not formal like that. And I said, "I'm, you know, well, you don't have to talk like the butler and ask her if she'd like a mint julep. (laughs) Um, You just say, you know, I've got some lemonade here. Would you? Can I serve us some lemonade? Are you interested? That kind of thing." And also to be sure to introduce your friends to others in the house. So even if it's only one friend coming over and you have siblings in the house or your parents. so for example, if my sister has a friend over, um, also when I walk into the room as another sibling in the house, um, I can see the guest and I should immediately smile and say, hi, I'm Terry. So that that person really feels comfortable in that house. Um, in like a larger setting, um, when you have a, you know, more, a, a larger party, Um, I think it's good to tell our kids to really be on the lookout um, when for the people that aren't really interacting, and to make that effort to go out to them and bring them into the party by introducing them to someone. Um, Hang out for a bit with that person, that conversation to make them feel really comfortable. Or, you know, you know those you know the personalities of your people there. Give them a job to do because sometimes that can make them feel a little more comfortable if they have something to do.
1: You know, Terry. one thing that my kids, when, when I would try to teach them this kind of thing, they would always be like, well, I don't want to have anybody over. It's a lot of work to have a party. You know, unless your child is a real extrovert, um, it it can be a little daunting. And I think you have to help them understand that that's how society works. It's give and take. You've been over to that friend's house three times. You have to do this. You have to be the host you know, whether you do it in a different way, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. You could invite them to go somewhere with you, but you have to take the initiative and be the host sometimes. I love that. Yeah. And then,
0: okay, so that brings us to point number nine, how to be a gracious
1: guest. Um, I, I have to say, if you want to have a fun social life, be the person the host knows that she can count on to make the other guests feel comfortable, you will get a lot of invitations. If she knows that she doesn't have to shepherd you through everything and make sure you're okay, that you're going to be able to walk into a room where you don't know too many people and still find somebody to talk to, make other people feel comfortable, you will have the best social life
0: that's great
1: (laughs) and then you know if you do feel comfortable at a party
0: and you've got a lot of friends there let's say you know we can tell our kids you know you're at your sister's house um you know you can really give a hand to your sister by looking out for people who need to be brought into the conversation so she doesn't have to worry about everybody um spreads that um, burden around you know if you want to call it that Um, sometimes as guests we're so comfortable and so happy to be with our friends we don't think about how to make others feel more a part of it. So it's something you to really talk with your kids about before, we just, you know, going just, to functions,
1: Right. And we just stick with the people we already know. Mm-hmm. You, know to, you know, that won't get you too far. I mean, it's more fun to meet new people. But, um, and it, sometimes you might be nervous, either that's your temperament or maybe the people at this party are not in your group. And, uh, you, you you know, it's very unnerving and teenagers do tend to be self-conscious um, and think that everybody's looking at them when actually they're all thinking about themselves. But, you know, a good way to, if you are nervous, is to tur- teach them to turn the conversation back to the other person. You know, um, I'm so-and-so, you know, I go here, where do you go to school? And what is that like? That kind of thing, you know. Um, Be proactive and approach others. I think we've kind of covered that. You know, what's the worst that can happen? If you're at a party where you don't know anybody and they all think you're a nut, oh, well. (laughs) You know, um, so I I guess I'm just saying that there, to acknowledge that you might be nervous, but to find ways to overcome that.
0: Absolutely, and it can go back on the person who is nervous too, to take that initiative And to go to the hostess or someone there and say, Can I be of service? Can I pass around some of the appetizers or do you need help setting up the balloons or something? It gives you something to occupy yourself so you feel more comfortable in that situation. So, okay, for number 10, how to accept a gift you don't like or you already have. So, um, when you first receive a gift, even before we we open it, you know, it's something to, to talk with our kids about. First, look the person in the eye and tell them that it was so thoughtful of them because it really is. And I know I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton. He said, when it, comes to, when, it, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. I think it's a beautiful quote.
1: It is, it is. And it can be the kind of thing where like, you're not planning on being disappointed in a gift. But it can happen, you know, grandma gives you, and my mother was prone to this, another handkerchief, cloth handkerchief. Um, It's good to think internally before you, you know, even get to that place. um, What is, what if this is something that I don't like, I have to show a good face immediately and be grateful. And that internal step will make it easier. And then you just say thank you and find something nice to say about the gift. You know, this is a lovely color, you know, something like that. Because you don't want to um, let the other person, excuse me, realize that it might not have been, you know, something that you would have picked out for yourself. <laughs> a gift isn't supposed to be, you know, a gift is a gift, You know, it comes from the other person because it's what they are trying to give you.
0: It's very thoughtful no matter what it is. So that's wonderful. So today we have a bonus, number 11, um, how to accept a
1: compliment. That's kind of funny because we, we think we're being humble when we say, oh, this old dress or, oh my gosh. That was such a disaster when I tried to do this, you know, and, and it, it, it really, all it does is draw more attention to ourselves. And we really, and, and even if it is something wonderful that we've done, we want to have the, the humility, which is honesty with God. It really came from him. And so we're like, okay, that's very nice that they like it. And I'm very glad I did a good job because it's what God wanted me to do. So I'm going to give that to God. And what do you say in the moment though, when somebody is praising something? You you just say thank you, mm-hmm, thank you. And mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. maybe you say, well, I think you had some good ideas. So yeah. I mean, you know, it could be
0: something like, um, you know, someone compliments um, the cake design that you made, and you say you you could say, well, I'm just no good at cake decorating, but that leads into what you were saying, or. Um, you could say, well, thank you. I really had fun with it. And I went to the beginning Baker's blog and got some tips. Have you ever heard of that blog? And it pulls a conversation a little bit away from you and into a much more interesting vein of conversation. So um, there are ways to accept those and redirect the conversation. So-
1: um, um, Terry, I hate to spring this on you, but I did think of a 12th, (laughs) a bonus. okay, very good. I love surprises. Sorry, um, I, back up to when it's, it's good to introduce yourself to your host, that also goes at home. It is good manners to tell people when you've gotten home, and more importantly, when you're leaving and where you're going. And this goes for you as well as the kids. And I particularly emphasize it when my kids go to college. Don't go out Friday night and not tell anybody where you're going. Tell your roommate when you're leaving. Leave a whiteboard note. You know, I left at five o'clock. I'm going to, you know, go visit so-and-so. See you tomorrow morning if you plan on spending the night with that friend. Or, you know, I'll be back before midnight. It's just good manners, but it's a very big safety thing too. So I, and if you start it when they're young like this, um, and you, and they see that you do it, I don't think that they will feel like you are such a, you know, you're not the policeman. Where are you going? Well, why do I have to tell you that? Because it's safety and it's good manners.
0: <laughs> Thanks. We got a double, double dip there at the end there. Sorry about that. No, so, no, it's wonderful. So
1: um, we
0: really hope that you enjoy these conversations that you have with your kids. And it could be something great to have um, around the dinner table, you know, bring up these little topics. And sometimes you might have an ally in one of your older children to help with these conversations and keep them going. So let us know also any suggestions that you have. Additionally, um, you can find these talks at ocrest.org, parent support. And please join us next week for episode number five, everyday practical skills to teach your kids as they go out into the world on their own. So thank you very much and have a great day. Bye-bye.